in a series called Followers. This is week five. Uh, my heart has been that I would challenge you to what it means to follow Jesus Christ, but I didn't want to do it from a denominational perspective or my own opinions or what I think, which some of that has to be part of it because I'm commenting on the Bible. But my goal has been to go to the words of Jesus to determine Jesus' interactions with his first followers of what it really would mean to us in 2023 to follow Jesus. And are we close to that or are we, have we removed ourselves far from his expectations? How many of you know he has expectations on us? So I'm going to put this out there today. Um, if your toes get stepped on today, it's intentional. I don't... <laughs> People say that about preachers, you stepped on my toes. Sometimes it's not intentional. Today it will be. I'm going to say things that I truly, as honest as I can, I don't have you in mind when I was putting it together. I have me in mind and us in mind, but again, in a fatherly way, if the shoe fits, wear it. Because what God put in my heart for us today, I think is a seed of truth that can course correct your life in such a way that you would never be the same again. And sometimes that truth to course correct us so that we're never the same can be harsh. If it sounds harsh, it's coming from a fatherly heart and I mean it from a fatherly heart, but I want you to listen carefully. And then at the end, as we always do before communion, I'm going to ask a harder question to judge yourself and to look at your own life. You won't need me to point fingers at you. Uh, We're good at that ourselves. But I want you to point your own finger at yourself and, and evaluate yourself. So let's jump in. This is the scripture we've always used, and I, I pick it up every week. Matthew 4:19. And to, if you don't know, this is the next 10 years of a mission statement for us at this church. Jesus said, follow me. And he told his disciples, and I will make you fish for people, Matthew 4, 19. The whole uh, blueprint is follow, grow up, and then go do it to bring other people, the follow, grow, go thinking. Follow me, he says, and then I'm gonna make you into something. And it's so deep, literally, in my thinking, that is so deep that we could spend the rest of our life on planet Earth just stuck here to talk about what does it mean to know Him and follow Him? What does it mean to grow up continually? And then this is what we're talking about today in the blue for people. Because here's what I know about Christianity, whether we like it or not, Christianity, the equation for it is Jesus plus people. And there is zero chance that you get to do it without people. The people are already giggling. They're like, I think I know where he's going. There is no way scripturally you will ever be able to do this thing called Christianity without bumping into people and doing life with them. I know we love Jesus. We say it's all about Jesus. No, it's not. Because if it's all about Jesus, it naturally includes people because Jesus came to redeem people. 
So if you hear somebody go, well, it's just all about Jesus. Yep, but he was all about people. So now we've lumped them all in a big bag together. So if you want to know Jesus, you're going to have to deal with people. And what I have found, some of my greatest revelations about who Jesus is came through my interaction with people. Because they will irritate you, get on your nerves, grow you up. And one thing I know about people, they will show you where the cracks are in your life. You will think you're doing well until you get with people you don't like. And you're like, my God, I'm going to kill somebody, literally kill them. But yet you felt spiritual in the morning, but then you bumped into them in the Starbucks line. And then you realize, my God, I didn't know people could be so hateful and rude and mean. And then my, gen this is show you how old my generation is. We used to say, who peed in your Wheaties? <laughs> you remember that statement? I don't know what they say now. I'm not all woke up into all the little isms of the generation. But my generation, dear Lord, who peed in your Wheaties? Meaning you have a bad attitude and you're messing everybody's life up around you. So let me just throw this one more time. When someone says to you, oh, it's just about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'll give you that. But there's no way scripturally you can minus the people out of that. So right now in this room, if we say we want to know Jesus, then probably sitting right next to you is somebody that's going to challenge that in you. What do you really believe? Now, here's the good thing. Jesus makes the equation funner, makes math better. He's always the same. I got one amen. I'm going to back that up. The good thing, the good thing of it, I know it's early, but a good amen every now and then just helps me out. It just helps a brother. Even if you don't agree, just go, amen. and I'll be, thank you. <laughs> the good thing about Jesus in the equation, he's always the same. Amen. He never changes. He's a peace giver, always. He's always going for repentance, always. He's a healer, always. He may not heal you the way you want, but he's, he's always the same. He never changes. Now, what it means by that is not that one day Jesus is giddy and one day he's angry. Like, because we do see through the Bible, God is happy sometimes and irritated sometimes. So it's not talking about that, that he never changes his mood. It means that he never changes his intention. His intention is always the same. His mood is different. And I've heard people say, well, he's always the same. Why in the Old Testament, he's always angry all the time. And then he's happy some. It's not when it says he's always the same that he's emotionally always the same. Because you can't be. Because we're emotional. We're, we have happy, sad. We, we have angry. But always the same means his intention from the beginning has never changed. He's always about redemption and repentance to bring you to life. Always. Even if the ground opens up and swallows people, it was always to, intentionally to bring the people to life. Now, here's the thing. People are weird. Anybody shy? I picked this word because somebody said, you always use the word weird. So yes, because people are not always the same. They're blooming weird. 
Even the spiritual ones are weird. And right now, you're probably thinking, I know a few. If you're sitting next to someone, look at him right now and say, I think he's about to start talking about you. <laughs> Take a bow, Carmelo. He walks in right when we talk about weird. <laughs> and Eva's like, yep. <laughs> Thank God he got here just in time. <laughs> Thank you for coming. You always bless me. Now, because I want you to know that I'm a little educated, not a lot, I decided to define weird for you. Now, come on. Now you start putting faces with it. Anybody ever met a strange person? It's like, my God, they're strange. What do you mean? I don't know. They're just strange. Anybody had met an eerie person? You're standing in line and all of a sudden you get that feeling and you look around like, oh God, they could murder somebody. <laughs> I mean, you're at Walmart, but you know they're going to murder you. Like, they're going to murder. I just, how do you know? Oh, I don't know. That's Robin. Like, Robin has this gift that she just can tell eerie people. She's like, I just, my flag went up. I'm like, what? They look normal. No, they're not normal. I can feel it. I, I, well, what do you feel? Oh, I can feel it. It's all, and I'm like, I, maybe it's a woman thing. I don't know. Like I could have a serial killer in my truck be talking about coffee. I'd be like, hey, anybody met an abnormal? Don't, don't say me on this one. Anybody met an abnormal person? An unusual person? A creepy person? Now, now, come on, if you're a Christian, you've met this one. Creepy. When it comes time to hug people, and it's that man that hugs all the women real tight. And it's like, ugh. Ooh, he always hugs me so tight. Ugh. Now, they would never tell you that. they just tell everybody else that. Here comes the creepy dude that hugs everybody. Ugh. It's just true. Whether you, like, whether you like that or not, that was true. Mysterious. It's the person that sits in the corner and you don't know if they're dead, happy, sad. They just look like they're somewhere else but here. Crazy. Crazy. You know who they are. You married them. <laughs> Odd. Plenty of y'all in the room. Absurd. Don't know many. Insane. I've met maybe one. Wacko. Yep. And then I put me in there. Quirky. Yay, quirky people. Quirky people. I think all of us are quirky. I like ketchup on my cornbread. Mm. You give me cornbread, I'm not eating it without ketchup. That's just, I know, I know, I know. It's literally true. I'm like, cornbread, thank you so much. Can I have some ketchup? And then it's inevitably ketchup. What you want ketchup for? I'm like, dude, I like ketchup on my cornbread. Why does that bother you? Because I'm quirky. Also, I do not like cheese on my pizza. I know. Let's get out of here, honey. I knew he was a demon. I told you there was something wrong with that man. I hate, hate, loathe loathe cheese on my pizza. Mm. Cannot do it. I just won't eat it. I can't, I just can't stand it. I like my coffee ice cold. I like it so strong it makes Jesus go, mm. 
I'm quirky. I don't do tension well. If it gets tense, I walk off. You'd think I'd be more mature than that. I'm not. When things get tense, I'm just like, peace out, baby. I ain't got time for that. I'm gone. I wish I was more mature to stay around and go, hey, I can help y'all solve it. And I'm like, I don't want to. I'm just leaving. So all of this, oh, and for those of you that are educated to show you that I know other words, Eldritch, you can look that up. That's just for people who love to read. Quirky is what it means. So when we talk about Jesus, and it's just all about Jesus, you're going to have to go, but there's weird, strange, odd, quirky, unusual, creepy, mysterious, absurd, insane, wacko, quirky, eldritch people that are in the mix. And these people can make a mess of things. Jesus plus people, what we know about Christianity is it gets messy. And this is where it's going to sting a bit. Because I'm going to ask you to get over it today and to grow up and stop obsessing over the messy people. Because we will never go where God wants us to go when people constantly irritate us and push us back from God's best. So in thinking about this today, I came to a very unusual passage of scripture to try to connect the dot to messy and what happens to us when we don't do people well. We do Jesus good, but not people. And if you want to know how powerful this plus people is, at almost every revival in modern Christian history that has ever happened, it has come crashing down or ending because of people. Splits happen, churches split, revival splits. They don't get along anymore. The novelty of revival worn off. Or you have revival and everybody's coming in the door. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, it's all about Jesus. But then all of a sudden people show up and they start making a mess of things. So here's the thing. Jesus is not ever going to erase this. It's always going to be there. We just have to learn how to press forward through it to become who he intends us to be. Someone texted me this week and said, I don't know how you do what you do. And I said, I don't even have a clue what you mean. Eat Mexican food? Like what? How you deal with people all the time. It seems like people constantly need you for marriage help, life help, whatever, hospital, sick, mad, sad, happy, glad. And I'm listening to it, and for the moment I'm thinking, I just love it. Like, I, I, I'm not even remotely bothered by it. Like, I genuinely love it. It doesn't mean that I love it that it doesn't sometimes irritate me because one of my quirks is I do get irritated when mature Christians act like babies. I get irritated. I, now, by irritated, I don't cuss and scream. I just inwardly, I just go, my God, you ought to grow up and take your diaper off and suck it up. We're an army. We're not, we're not a spa. I mean, that's what I want to say. Sometimes I do if I know them well enough. And sometimes I say that of myself. Dear God, Mark, you're in an army. You know, you're not going to a coffee shop here. We're soldiers. And I have to inspire myself to not quit. So the passage is in the Gospel of Matthew, if you would like to turn there, Matthew chapter 19, if you want to follow along in your Bible, I'm going to put the scriptures on the TV for you. 
Here's Matthew 19. Let me give you a few thoughts as we jump into it. All right? Thought number one. Messy is meaningful if it pushes you to God's best. It's meaningful. There's something good about being challenged by a weird, quirky person. Challenge is what I really believe. It pushes me to God. It pushes me to his truth. However, messy is demonic when it pushes you away from God's best. So even though God uses people, it either has the potential to make something incredible out of you to help the kingdom move forward, or it will hinder you. And if it's hindering you, you're helping Lucifer's kingdom move forward. Either way, you're moving one of the kingdoms forward. So heavily involved, moving on with God, you're moving his kingdom forward, hurt, hardened, uh, giving up, tired of people, been hurt by church, hurt by pastors, and you're sitting idle doing nothing, an idle Christian is helping the devil's team win. It's not about heaven or hell, it's about which team is moving their kingdom, and an idle believer is really not helping God's kingdom, so therefore by nature, logistically, it's helping the enemy's kingdom. And I used a harsh term, demonic, because it kind of felt it needs to stir us to think that way. It's nothing to play with. Literally, there's demonic things right now that are hindering God's people from doing what God has called them to do. So let's jump into it. Matthew 19, verse 1. When Jesus, highlighted in yellow, that's going to let you know he's the same always. When Jesus finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Verse 2, in blue, highlighted. Large crowds followed and he healed their sick. So immediately in the blue, large crowds are showing up. Now, what do you get when you get large crowds? A mess. Now, I would like to say, I highlighted it at the very end of the verse, of verse 2 in the pink. I've highlighted it. It says he healed their sick. I want you to know that even in the middle of messy things, God's kingdom still works. Supernatural things can happen even in the middle of messy people. And if you're not careful, you're going to let the messy people rob you of some supernatural intervention. Somebody will mess you up to the point you'll never encounter his power. I'll keep you in bed. I'll keep you hidden away. I'll keep you out of church. I'll keep you just bitter enough that even if you do show up, you'll miss it. So let's just kind of put it together. This is my equation. There's Jesus, always the same. There's people, always there but messy. But just because it's messy never takes the spirit of God's potential out of it. In every group of messy people, there is the potential that God will rock your world. Blow your mind. And not even know how he did it. He's like, because I'm God. The person you can't even stand walks up and says, can I pray for you? Oh, I don't even open my hands because they may have a demon. It's like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> but all of a sudden they touch me and God used that person to supernaturally deliver me. The person I didn't even want to touch or pray for me. And they did it and I, I bumped into his power. Goes on to say this, verse 3, some Pharisees, well, here come some weird people. 
In every crowd, there's going to be some weird ones. They came and tried to trap him with a question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for any reason? So what I'm going to teach us is out of this quintessential passage about divorce is I want to teach you what happens between humans and God when messy things show up. The Pharisees, the messy ones, the quirky ones, the obnoxious ones, the abnormal ones, the Jesus will call them the snakes. He will call them sons of the devil, the Beelzebub, whitewashed graves. He labels them a little clearer throughout the scripture, but they show up and they're, they're the people that are always looking for a reason. They come in the door and they come in the door. They're just looking for a reason to leave. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> too loud in here. Just too loud. Listen, right now, there's about 320 pair of ears. And you literally think that that boy sitting right there is going to appeal to everybody's ears? Some of you got big ears. That means you hear a lot. Some of you are like, oh, this is so loud. And others are like, I can't even hear it. It's because you're deaf. But we come in the door if we're not careful, just looking for any reason to stir something up. Nobody said anything to me today. What well, did you say anything to them? Very good. Nobody even smiled at me or welcomed them. Well, did you go welcome them? Because if it's your first time, you don't know who's first or not. But I have noticed in my life that we all have the potential to show up with arms folded because we're all a little quirky and just sit around and look for a reason to be upset. And if you look long enough, you'll find it. Because there's plenty of reasons that we can be upset. He forgot to call me in the hospital. Oh, I know it. Uh, I was at the cheer competition. You were the last thing on my mind. 482 girls screaming. I didn't even think about you in the hospital with a toothache. I was thinking I'm going to die with all these girls. <laughs> so it is possible that, that if you come looking for a reason to be upset, you'll find it. Because there's always people... So just know this, if you're going to do the kingdom of God, you need to make sure whatever reason you're here is a good one because you will find some bad ones that'll make you want to tap out, make you want to go home, make you want to say it's not worth it anymore. I told you they were that way. Like we're faking it. Of course we're that way. We're humans. We all have our issues. That's why we're all seeking Jesus. It goes on, I just love Jesus. He's just so sweet. Haven't you even read the scriptures? In other words, y'all don't even read the Bible? That would be what he would say if we were our generation. And Jesus replied, they, meaning the scriptures, they record from the beginning. If you ever want to know how powerful it is to read your Bible, they record God's intention from the beginning of time. The Bible is not just for a devotion. The Bible, Jesus himself said, Jesus himself checkmarked the validity of the scripture when he says it shows you God's intent from the beginning of time. You ever want to know what God is thinking from the beginning of time before there was ever a quirky person? You can know it. And then he goes on to say, God made a male and female. And he said, this explains, now here comes the teaching on divorce. 
but out of it's going to come the problem. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united to one since they are no longer two but one. And then in the blue, I've showed you the power of people in the equation. Let not one person split that apart. Let not one person split apart what God has done. Jesus himself shows you the power of this equation. God's intent, people, but even though God is powerful, all powerful, people can rob you of what God intended. That's powerful. Never doubt what kind of power you wield as a human being. Because a human being has the ability to split apart what God intended to do. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said, ah, it could split you apart if it wasn't possible. So let's not ever sit around and just think of how, how powerful Jesus is or how powerful both Jesus and the devil know how powerful you are. Because you can either move my kingdom forward or you can split my kingdom apart. I need y'all trekking with me, Jesus says. It goes on to read this. Then why, here comes in the blue, I've highlighted the words that just show you people always show up. Then why did Moses, Moses is somebody from the past. So what we know is people from your past can mess you up. The old boyfriend, the old pastor, the old ex, the old husband, people from your past can mess you up. I'll tell you how I know. They'll show up on Facebook. You had not seen them in 20 years. They'll blink their eyes and go, how are you? Like, oh God, my past has come calling. My daughter was telling me the other day, this is lingo. I don't know all the lingo. I use it. It's probably so archaic. They laugh at me. I said, hey, when's the last time a boy slid up in your DMs and said hello? She said, yesterday. I said, who was it? She said it was this boy, and she called the name of the boy from years ago. I said, so what, he just slid up wanting a booty call out of nowhere? You see, from your past, your past will show up. Old relationships will show up. It'll be midnight. They'll just go, hey, what you doing? Not you. <laughs> If you don't know how to handle the past, it will rob you of God's future. Some old flame will come back. Some memory will come back. Some Facebook post will remind you of that event or that person, and you'll just go into a funk. What did Moses tell you in the law? A man could give his wife. So now it tells me that there's relational things that can cause you to miss what God wants you to do. A husband can mess up what God wants to do because you, you don't know how to press through life together. A wife can cause you to miss what God wants because you're more caring about pleasing her than the Lord or pleasing him than the Lord. Or you're more about yourself and your own fleshly ways and what you want to do and you don't even care what they think. But what I know from Jesus is even in our deepest relationships together, it can rob us of what God wants to do. He goes on to say... They asked, this is what they asked, can we give them up for a divorce? 
question mark, they ask. And then I find out highlighted in the blue, there's the they's. There's the, I didn't even know they were going to show up. I don't even know who they are, but they. And then when you say, could you define who they are? They never can, but they're there. They're a group of people. Well, they say, give me their phone number. I don't know their phone number. That's just what they say. Well, I know they said it, but tell me who they are. Like, give me an address. Give me a name. It's just they. But I tell you what, I've seen they mess up more people than anybody. I never know who they are, but they're there and they're powerful. Well, you know what they say. You get the vaccine, you'll die. Okay, tell me who they are. Conspiracy theories. I know, but give me a name. They. Well, you know what they say about preachers. Okay, tell me. I'd like to know who they are because I'll call them. You understand that what Jesus is doing is he's showing us the mess. Now watch what he says. Jesus, verse 8, replied, Moses permitted divorce as a concession to your hard hearts, but it wasn't really what God originally intended. And then in that moment, Jesus enlightens us to the power of humans because he says to us that your heart can become so hardened that you miss what God intended for your life. That when Ryan Holdeman was in his mother's womb, God had intents on his life. Before he ever met God, knew God in his mother's womb, do you not know I have plans for you and purposes for you and pursuits for you? And then this young boy's born. We don't even know him yet. He's not the youth leader, director, pastor of this house. He's just riding. His little boy, he's riding bikes. He's crashing his bike. He's growing up. God has intents on him. God has purposes. And then one day, he ends up in Douglasville. He goes to church. He gets born again in a youth camp, correct? Gets born again in the youth camp. Gets passionate for Jesus Christ. In his passion for Jesus Christ, he goes to a Bible college. And in his Bible college, he ends up graduating. He ends up serving God's house. And now the purposes and the passions of Ryan are coming out. But he would tell you, just like anybody in the room, all along the path, there's the they's and the them's and the what for's and the hurts and the other people. And I'm picking on him today because he still sits there serving God. He could have tapped out, I'm sure. We all could have. You're here today. I praise you. You could have tapped out. There's been people that have irritated you and you showed up anyway. But I don't want you just showing up. I want you to understand that God has intentions on everybody in this room. God has great and incredible plans for you. God wants the best for your marriage, the best for your life, the best for your children. But if you're not careful, you will tap out of his original intent. And you will just be existing. You'll be tolerating. You'll be saying it is what it is. I just love Jesus. No, you cannot love Jesus and hate people. It's all together. Yes, sir. Even Jesus said, I'm going to sum it all up. Love me with all your heart and love people as yourself. See, I even told you, I've summed the whole thing up with God and people. And what I know is that people, past people, deep relationship people, unknown people, people you don't even know, irritate you and can hinder you from what God intended. Here's the thought. Hovering over the mess of your life right now is God's original intent for you. Is your marriage a mess? God has an intent for you. Is your health a mess? Did somebody get in your way? Did somebody cut you off? Did somebody hurt you? I did in blue, God in you, because God's trying to connect you to his original intent. I 
understand we're humans and we humans can mess church up, but church has been his original intent from day one. I just don't do church, that religious stuff. You know, it's just kingdom. It's just people. I don't do people. I don't. Yeah, I know that. I know that. I know you understand we humans blow it. But from the beginning of times, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, from the beginning of time, God's purposes has eternally always been the church. No way around it. Do we blow it? Yes. Do we get in his way? Yes. Do we become hypocrites? Yes. Do we, do we just become religious with no power? Yes, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. But just because people have messed it up doesn't stop his original intent. He wants to do something incredible for you. Every time you walk in the door here, he's trying to do something incredible. But people can hinder it the way you come in the door. Your hurts, your isms and schisms can hurt us. Now, to show you how powerful this is, it, this is about to just go. Because we got large crowds, we got supernatural things happening, we got religious Pharisees, we got people following that are passionately getting their needs met, and Jesus is juggling people that are trying to trip him up. The they's, the them, and the vows, and the past, and the presence. He tells the disciples that. Your heart can get hard and you'll miss God's intent in this story of marriage. So I would like to know what they said back to him. This is mind altering to me. And I tell you, Jesus says, whoever divorces his wife, there's the whoever's. You never know who they are, but they're there. And marries someone else. There's the other people, the whoever's and the others. Commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. And then verse 10, highlight it, star it, lick your finger, put your thumb on it so the paper crinkles. This should be one verse that revolutionizes. I said at the beginning, it will revolutionize the kind of life you live. And it's tucked away in a passage about marriage and divorce. But it's so much deeper than that, that casual reading can cause you to miss what is going on. Because this is what verse 10 reads. Jesus' disciples said to him, well, if this is the case, it's just better not to even marry. And then to the man that's married to a weird woman goes, yep, that's so true. It's better not to marry. Oh, God, I wish I'd have known that scripture before we went to the altar. <laughs> so don't just tie it into the, the casual, shallow grave that says wives can cheat on you, husbands can cheat on you, so it's just better not to marry. That is the, that is the baseline truth, the depth of the truth. If we mine it out, if we take it in context of what was being said, if we look at all of it together of what's going on within the, the storyline of itself, here's what you get. Jesus is with a bunch of people and he says, hey, there's intentions that God has had on you, Scott. There's intentions, Burl. There's been intentions on you, Jade. There's intentions on you, Ned. There's been things before you even existed. My mind was just thinking, oh, when Ned Fowler gets here, oh, I got things. 
things just stored up waiting on him. When Josh Hooper gets on the scene, who's Josh Hooper? Y'all don't know him yet. He's in my mind. He's in the wisdom of heaven. He's known before he even existed. I saw the gifts and the talents. I saw the anointings that I would give him and he's going to thrust my kingdom forward. And then all of a sudden, Ned's born. Josh is born. All these intents that for thousands and millennia and eternity past has been, God's been waiting on you. God's been waiting on you, Leslie. God has been waiting on you, Anna. God has been waiting on you, Michael. For eternity past, he's waited on you. He's known your name. He knew when you would be here. And he has this bag full of intent for you. He has these gifts and these callings and these anointings. And he's just going to blow your mind so much. So he says, I'll pour out so much. Your lap could not even contain what I could do for you. And then I get into life, I meet people, I go to his church, I get offended, a preacher hurts me, somebody bothers me, somebody did me wrong, and then I, 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 a brilliant human, an educated human, a human with life experiences says, well, it's just better not to marry. Great, but if you think what they're saying is, they're saying this, this is my translation, you mean there's going to be people that could hurt me? Oh, I don't want what God intends for me if people are going to hurt me. It's better to not have what God intends than to risk being hurt. That's what they're saying. They literally just looked in the eyes of Jesus and said, It's better that I don't ever achieve what God wants for me because I don't want to risk being hurt. What? What? Are you kidding me? And no, I'm not. That's how powerful we are. We can hurt each other so bad that we'll just give up on what God wanted because, and to this day, there are people with gifts and talents that are sitting in their home because they've been hurt by people. Churches are losing people today because they've been hurt by a pastor. And when they walk out the door hurt, they take all the gifts with them, all the intentions. And God's like, what? What are you? What? what, what? No, no, no. Before, no, before you ever got, no, I had all these things for you. What do you, I was going to use you for my kingdom. And I was going to use you to help grow my kingdom on the corner of Pope and Beaumont. What? Well, you're leaving? No, don't leave. No, 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 no. Go come back. Don't, don't forfeit. Don't, don't forfeit what I have for you, Mark. And churches are filled with people who've tapped out and forfeited. Who just sit around looking for reasons rather than looking for reasons to get offended rather than looking for reasons of how to be used by God. Making excuses. Well, my last church, they just burned me out. Get over it. So you got burned out. Dust yourself off. This is an army and God needs you. Do you think God looked at you in your mother's womb and thought, I'm going to give him all these gifts, but at 42, I'm going to take them all back because they're going to get burned out. No, all those gifts are still waiting on you. All of them are still waiting on you. Well, I did a Bible study at my house and it just got to be too much. Okay, great. It got to be too much for you. Figure it out. The gifts and callings are still there. Look at this. This is an interesting thought. The mess of people produces hurt people. 
Hard people become hardened people. And hardened people will inevitably forfeit what God intends for them. Hurt people produce hardened people and hard-hearted people trade God's intent. The devil knew that. The devil knew he could get a preacher to hurt you. He could get Christians to overlook you. He knew if he could get your heart hurt, you would become hardened toward people. And if he could harden you toward people, you would forfeit what God wanted to do for you. This is Paul. You were running the race so well, but who held you back from following truth? It's certainly not God. For he called you to freedom. Who's holding you back? Who's holding you back from God's glorious intent? It's not the devil. He's been defeated. Is it Pastor Dave? Is Dave, Pastor Dave holding you back? Did he do something to you? Pastor Michael? Did Pastor Michael do something to you? Did me? Pastor Jamal? Did, did, some, did some preacher in your past hurt you? Did some preacher disappoint you? We all are, by the way, human. Was it Pastor Allen? Did he do it? Pastor Josh, maybe? Did he disappoint you? Because we're all just humans. So what pastor in your past has disappointed you? Because they all will. It's what we are human. We don't intend to. We don't want to. But you sitting around thinking with your arms folded, well, my last church, get over it. You're needed for his kingdom. And God didn't take back the gifts because you got hurt. He's still waiting on you to just look up and go, okay, God, use me. I'm ready. With all my scars and my hurts and my discipline, God, use me. I do not want to be a hardened little person that loses your intent because I got hurt by somebody. Who is it? Is it an ex? Is it a friend? Is it a, is it a loved one? Who is it that is, that is got in your way that is robbing you from God's best? Because it's never going to change. The room will always be filled with weird, quirky people who at any moment could rob you of God's intention. Bow your head. Not to be religious, but to get you centered upon yourself. I need you looking at you because we're in a generation where God is ready to display his gifts in you. He's okay that you're a little weird. He knew it from the beginning. And he's still saying, but I want to use you. I've gifted you. I've called you. I've anointed you. And at your last church, you may be heavily involved, but at this one, you've been sitting idle. It's time to unidle yourself. It's time to take the parking brake off. It's time to put it in drive and go, honey, we got a job to do for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah, but you remember last time we went for it. I do. We got hurt. We got burned out. We got used and abused. I don't care. We're going to run for God anyway. We're not about to tap out of God's intent on our marriage and God's intent on our life and God's intent on our children. We're going to raise our children in the kingdom of God. We're going to raise them to know that people are quirky, but God is even bigger. We're going to raise them to how to deal with quirky people because quirky people are part of God's kingdom. And we're going to show up and we're going to grow up and we're going to be part of what God's called us to do. So right now this morning, your question is, who is it? What is the face 
of why you're not involved, of why you don't open your home and disciple a friend, of why you're casual at best when it comes to church. What is it that's that's hindering? What is it? The call of old friends? Is it the past that keeps calling you back? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Because there's no way around it. I wish there was. There's not. There's no way around it. We're in this thing together and we're all on a journey and some of us can be dirty and rude. And, but, but hey, hey, we're all on a journey with Jesus. I need you to look inside your heart to examine yourself. It's today it ends. As a father, I'm telling you, it's time to get out of the basement and get busy about life. As a father, I'm saying you got the degrees, you got the life, you got the pay, go do it. Go do it. Stop making excuses. As a shepherd of this house, I'm saying I'm okay if you're hurt. I will love you through it, but I'm going to challenge you to get over it because there's gifts and callings waiting on you. You're needed for the kingdom. I just don't know what I think about church. Good, you don't have to. Jesus said, go to the scriptures and find out what I think about it. It's been, it's been my intent from the beginning of time. Well, I just don't know if I can trust people. You know, I just want to trust the Holy Ghost. Well, good. You trust the Holy Ghost, you're going to have people in the mix. And I will tell you, I don't know what God has for us on this corner, but it's not like I sit in my office and go, I don't care. Every week I'm like, God, just show up. Whatever you want to do, I'm in, men. However you want to work it, Lord. But I want to challenge you that in that there's the mess of people, that in the prayers for revival, that in the prayers for God to show up and heal your marriage, that in the prayers of God wanting your children touched, whatever you're praying, there's always the mess of people that will give you the intent to tap out. Who are they? Would you stand with me if you would?